there's a freshness that comes when we allow the Lord to minister through these different different gifts. Amen? Now, I'm going to say something to you that I probably will repeat a little bit later on. And you may not agree with it. But I'm going to say it anyway. Because I'm old enough to get by with it and you you uh, you wouldn't want to beat up on me because I'm so old and decrepit here. But uh, this isn't your church. The church belongs to him. We belong to him. And sometimes we get a little bit graspy, a little bit grabby, and we want to make the church look like our idea of what it ought to look like. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work, and we see the church moving further and further away from what we wanted it to look like, and we get disturbed. And sometimes, you know, in well-meaning, sometimes, though, we'll complain a little bit, or we'll find fault. Maybe we'll pick at some person that we think may be partly responsible. You know, we need to put that kind of thinking away. Not that it's present, but if it does come to you to feel that way, remember, he's in charge of his church. This is his church, not yours. You and I are just one very small part of what he's doing. And that leads to the... uh, subject that I want to deal with this morning. The title of the message is Don't Quit Too Soon, which is a title that I have used in the past. The text is in Second Kings, the 13th chapter, verses 14 through 19. And I'm just going to read these, these verses, and you can catch up. Second Kings 14, rather 13, Verses 14 through 19. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash king of Israel went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried. The chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow In your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrows of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them, and Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. 
but now you will defeat it only three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Now why would I pick a text like this? First of all, I didn't pick the text. The Holy Spirit put it in my spirit to use it. And there's some other text that I'm going to use also that will be supportive of this. The theme, don't quit too soon, can be applied to many areas of our lives. But more specifically, I have felt the Lord impressing upon me the importance of pressing in to the things of the Spirit, not getting satisfied, not allowing ourselves to become comfortable where we're at spiritually, but to hunger after more of God. Well, how do I get hungry? Well, start reading the Word. Start praying for the Lord to help you in this area. And as you feel the hunger building, don't feed on, on junk food, but feed on the Word that will build strength in your person, in your spiritual life. We need to make progress. Amen? Individually, as well as collectively as a church. God didn't put Faith Chapel here to just sit and look pretty and be occupied once or twice a week. He planted a church here that has a building. But the building and facilities, while they're great, and while it's wonderful that we have them, that's not why we're here. We're here, as Pastor said this morning in talking about the bus ministry, we're here to make a difference in the world in which we live and in the community in which God has planted us. If you believe that, would you say amen? Good. Okay. Our text today has given us some historical perspective on the life in Israel at the, at the time of uh, the prophet Elisha. And uh, there are certain key elements for success in the believer's life that are the same whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. God honors spiritual zeal. He honors those who hunger after more of him and who want to keep growing. Now, I realize that there are some of us who are looking at the finish line and saying, I'm not very far from the finish line. I'm all done with what I have to do. You're not done till you're done. You're not done until you cross the finish line, and that's when the Lord calls you home. And you're still here for a purpose. So find out what it is and be sure that you're finished with what he intended for you to do. Well, I may have missed some things back a few years ago, 
That's all right. Let God take care of that, and you let your attention be focused on what he wants you to do today. Now, additionally, we have the passage in Numbers 32, verses 1 through 42, where the Reubenites and the Gadites did not want to take their possession in Canaan. And Israel was getting ready to cross over and go in and... Uh, take possession of God's promise in, in Canaan land. And they had to cross the Jordan to do this. And uh, these wanted to take their possession on the wilderness side of the Jordan. And Moses said, no, uh-uh. You're going to go with us and fight with your brothers until the whole land has been subdued. Then you can come back and claim your possession over here. The tendency that is recorded here in this text is one that is quite commonly found in church life, and that is to get fixed on the place where we feel comfortable, that place that we like. I used to tease people in our last, last full-time pastorate in Burbank. I said, some of you have sat in the same place so long, the cushions won't fit anybody else. And uh, I told him, why don't you do this? Why don't you start switching around, sitting in different places? And I said, do that as a declaration to God that you're ready for change. You're ready to grow. And I said, if it doesn't accomplish anything else, it'll confuse me, and I won't know whether you're here or not. So, a few years ago, when I first came to know the Lord, the Lord began speaking to me one day about me. And he said this, before you surrendered your life to me, you would start something, work with it for a while, then lose interest, and then you'd start something else and lose interest and so on and so forth. He said, now that you're mine, you're going to live differently. I want you, when you start something, to see it through till it's finished. Don't quit too soon. This is an important thing for all of us today because we have so many different things that, we, that give us input. We, we can hear some of the finest preaching there is on uh, videos and on, uh, on TV uh, and uh, some of the worst also. But uh, uh, we, we have all kinds of access to spiritual input. We are so full of hearing that if somebody patted you on the back, you'd burp a hallelujah. And that's, that's not stretching the truth too far. We are so full of things that we've heard that we've lost that 
that gnawing hunger for more of God, that yearning to see God move in our lives, in our church, to see a spirit of revival return again to our country, to see the power of God manifest in changing circumstances, not only in our personal lives, but in our country as well. You know, we are living in very, very delicate and desperate times in this country. And just because serious warfare has not hit this country as it has in other countries, don't think it couldn't. Don't think that the economy couldn't collapse and the dollar not be worth a penny your savings not be worth anything. There needs to be the kind of backup of this country that the church used to give. And that was serious, heartfelt prayer and perseverance into spiritual things. Today, we need to recognize that what Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven is still a valid command. Tarry ye until you are endued with power from on high. Now, up to that time, the Holy Spirit had not come. But after Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit descended down on the day of Pentecost and 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit and all began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. We need to get past the feeling that speaking in tongues is a stigma. We need to get past the feeling, I don't know if I want to talk about this or not, I meet with a group of crazy businessmen every Monday morning for the purpose of being light in their dark world. And sometimes they'll say, are you part of that group that speaks in tongues? And you know what I say to them? You bet I am, and I practice it every day. What does it do for you? And I said, here I am. And I said, you don't want to listen to me preach to you, but you'll ask me what I preached on, and then I can explain it to you, and you don't count that as preaching, but I do. The Holy Spirit wants to move through all of our lives in the dimension in which we live, in the culture, the neighborhood, the family, wherever we are, the Holy Spirit needs anointed individuals who will speak on his behalf. Speaking in tongues is thoroughly authenticated in the Bible. It was experienced on the day of Pentecost. It was promised by Jesus. He said, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He didn't say with tongues, but when it did come, it came with tongues. Now, let me ask you an interesting question. Why do you suppose that the Holy Spirit would pick a thing like the tongue? Why do you suppose that he would say, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in a new language, a language you've never been educated to speak before, one that you will speak ecstatically. Why would he do that? Why would he put us in a place where if we're a little bit weak in our faith, we would be embarrassed to say, oh, I speak in tongues. Some of us, when people ask us what we believe, we say, oh, I believe in being born again, believe in healing, believe Jesus is returning again, and uh, I, I believe in the, the tongues. You know what I'm saying. Why would he do that? Well, go over to the third chapter of the book of James. And you'll find there where it's talking about the tongue. And it's talking about power that's in the tongue. And the author says that the tongue is like the bridle in a horse's mouth. It's like the rudder in a ship. The way you talk is the way you walk. Now take that back to the book of Acts. And I don't believe I'm doing any Bible interpretation damage. Take that back to the book of Acts. And you'll find that when they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other tongues and power began to be manifest. It started with 120 that day receiving the Holy Spirit, and by the end of the day, 3,000 had come to know the Lord. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the believer today, in the church, and outside the church, to equip us to make a difference out there. Now, maybe none of us are like Peter the Apostle or like Paul. Maybe none of us feel that we're equipped to make a, a, a scholarly uh, dissertation on why we believe it. But we can all demonstrate the reality of it in our personal lives. And nothing in the way of an argument can out-argue an experience. There is no argument that is stronger than a personal experience. Now, as we're thinking about this, what happens is the Holy Spirit wants to get a hold of that tongue that guides our ship that is the bridle in our horse's mouth. The Holy Spirit wants to get a hold of our tongue and coach us how to talk, how to pray. And as we're praying 
in the Spirit, there are things that God shows us. There are things that begin to happen and become more clear in our lives. The Holy Spirit begins to coach us how to talk, what to say, how to live. That's so that he can guide us into the place where power can be released. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You follow me? As we allow the Holy Spirit and the Word to guide our path, we more and more come into line where the Spirit of the Lord can bring more and more of God's power to play in our lives. I don't know what happened, whether you just got me on or not, but I can hear my voice bouncing off the back wall there. Okay. We look into the Word, and we see that this is authenticated in a couple of ways. One, I think it's around the ninth or the 11th verse of Acts chapter 2. It names all these different languages that people were hearing the disciples speaking. They were not educated to speak those languages. They They weren't taught how to speak them. But they heard the disciples praising God and glorifying him in the language that these people outside the building were from. And what they were saying is they were talking about the wonderful works of God. And the people outside were awestruck. A great throng gathered around there. As I said before, 3,000 received the Lord at the end of the day following Peter's sermon that he got up and preached explaining what was happening. That's the first authentication. The story. Years ago, one of our missionaries returning home from Columbia, John Frith and his wife, they had recently received the Holy Spirit and being from a denomination that did not accept that or believe in that, they felt that they would like to become part of the Foursquare missionary endeavor in that country. So they came home to talk with leadership, and on the way on the plane, John Firth was just very quietly, just to himself, just praying in his prayer language. And the man that was sitting right next to him in the same row said, Sir, where did you learn to speak that language? And John said, The Lord gave me that language since I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And the man sitting next to him was awestruck, and he said, There are only three or four people in the whole world that understand that language. It's been dead in the world for several hundred years, not spoken anywhere. The only way that we know about it is from ancient hieroglyphics and and, uh, records that have been discovered. 
And John said, what am I saying? And the man said, well, you're talking about God and the wonders of the Lord. That ought to give you chills up and down your spine. It ought to make your toes start to get a little wiggle and feel like you're alive. That's the first authentication. Hmm. What a wonderful Lord we serve. You know that? When he moves in our lives, it is, it is such a, a wonderful thing. I bless his name. I bless his name. I wanted to tell you another story right quick. I've got to wrap this up. I could talk all day about the Holy Spirit. You see, years ago, when I first came to know the Lord, and I've told you about him telling me to finish what I started, I also received the Holy Spirit, and things did a radical turnaround. When I went to Bible college, I didn't go there to be a preacher. I went there to just have a better understanding of the Word of God so that I could explain uh, in a more intelligible way why I believed what I believed. And uh, it was while I was there that the Holy Spirit brought me face to face with the reality that what I had received was for more than me. It was for the Lord to do things through me. Each of you have a potential that only the Holy Spirit knows how to tap into, knows how to release it. Each of you have uh, an ability that is beyond yourselves in every dimension, spirit, soul, and body. Whatever God has done through you up to this point is nothing compared to what he can do in and through you between now and when it's all over. And I don't want to stand before the Lord when others are bringing their arms full of sheaves from the harvest of souls and laying them at his feet and saying, glory to your name, Lord, thank you for helping me. I want to put as many before him as I possibly can. And I know that the Holy Spirit is the way that that happens. I woke up this morning, and for an hour I just lay very still, and the Holy Spirit was speaking again in my spirit about this message this morning. And he said, I, I want you to talk about the same thing that you talked to that young lady about. And I listened as he began to reinforce and reinforce different things that he had said to me. Sometimes we come so dangerously close 
to grieving the Holy Spirit by just saying, this far, no further, Lord. And we think we have the authority to design our lives and the church in which we live according to the way it pleases us. Nothing can be further from the truth. This is his church. And if you're born again, you belong to God. And you have an obligation to hear what he's saying to his church and get plugged into it. Amen? Okay. We sometimes grieve him by disobedience. Sometimes we just wait too long and the time passes. For instance, when I first went in the ministry, I was 22 years old when I took my first church. She was 19. She was just a teenager. And we went in with our eyes wide open and saying, Lord, use us. Scared to death. I couldn't. Up to that time, I had never preached more than one message in about uh, uh, six weeks. And now I was saddled with preaching every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. We had Sunday night services then. And every Wednesday night, Bible study. You talk about being scared. I saw bankruptcy coming, and I didn't know how to stop it. I'm talking about spiritual bankruptcy. And yet every time I sought the Lord, and for 56 years it's been true, he has supplied what is needed and given me not what I wanted, but what he wanted to say. Now I have to say that I have great respect for the patience and endurance of that early congregation and what they listened to in the way of preaching. But I did the best I could to be obedient to God. And I want to say to you this morning, I'm having the most fun right now that I've had in my life. I get to preach every so often, and Pastor Dan gets all the trouble. <laughs> he, he takes on the tough stuff. I'm like the little kid that goes in the bakery, and when nobody's looking, he goes along with his finger sampling all the stuff. I get the fun of doing that. It's the Holy Spirit's joy to bring us into fullness of what God has planned for us. And I just want to say to you this morning, and without any great fanfare, if you have not received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, press in. There's a scripture, and I don't know the reference for it, it says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. There is a, uh, 
and energetic zeal that God wants us to have. And he wants to bless people who purpose to press in and not allow their experience to be limited. I want to encourage you all this morning to rethink, to reassess where you're at and to say, Lord, I'm a candidate for more from you. Will you stand with me? Pastor, do you want to do a benediction? Okay. It's a difficult thing to give an altar call on Sunday morning because we're all thinking about lunch and other things and you've got schedules set up and I understand that. But I'm praying that the word that I've shared with you this morning will cause a spark in every heart to say, I want more. I want more of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your word this morning to have the effect that you've said it would have, that it will cause a stirring deep within each of our hearts, an unrest, Lord, a desire to press in, not a spirit of criticism or fault-finding, but a genuine searching hunger after God that will nudge us to press in. And we know, Lord, that the answer lies with the working of the Holy Spirit in each of us. And so we pray as we leave here this morning that this word will take root and bear fruit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now turn to each other and say a genuine God bless you. Will you do that? <laughs>